0: Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi. Welcome to Finish Well podcast. I'm so excited that you're with us today. And we are going to talk about seven ways to make Jesus the Lord of your homeschooling. Now, I know if you're like me, you started homeschooling and your purpose was, I want to pass the baton of faith to the next generation. And I want my children to pass the baton of faith to their children. I know that I have that desire. But then when it comes to the day-by-day-by-day by day by day homeschooling, how do we do that? How do we pass the baton of faith on to the next generation? Well, I believe it starts with dedicating our homeschool to the Lord. And that's what we're going to talk about today, is making Jesus the Lord of your homeschool. The first way to do that is to dedicate your homeschool to the Lord. Let there be a moment in time when everyone in your family is there to dedicate your family your home, and your school to the Lord. So what I mean is having a family meeting and say, don't tell them when they get to the meeting, you know, and then they think what? What are, you, what are we doing? That's crazy. No, send them a text or an email or talk to each one of them and say, hey, I want the whole family to get together and I just want us as a family to dedicate ourselves to the Lord, to say with Joshua, as for me and my house and my home school, we will serve the Lord. And I I think that's significant because there's something about everyone in the family doing that together that... It's like putting a fence post in the ground. You can look back and say, hey, I see that fence post. You can look back and say, hey, I see that prayer. I know that we were doing something tangible and real. And the thing is, God answers prayer. And if you dedicate your homeschool to the Lord, he will take you at his word and he will rule that homeschool. I would say that each year and each day even, it's important to dedicate your homeschooling adventure to the Lord. It can be as simple as waking up in the morning and saying, Lord, I dedicate this day to you. I dedicate this homeschool to you. I dedicate myself to you as a servant or holding hands with your children and saying, hey, let's just dedicate today to the Lord. Lord, we give you our homeschool day. You are here. You love us. And we just ask that you would fulfill your purpose and your, your will in us and through us and in this homeschool. And that is the idea of surrender. And the Bible says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The most important act of humility is to surrender to Jesus. We surrender to Jesus when we get saved, when we become a Christian. We surrender to Jesus when we say, not my will, but yours be done. When he's calling us to do something we maybe don't want to do, but we also surrender the good things. I want to homeschool, but I also want to surrender my homeschooling to the Lord because I want to homeschool his way. I want to homeschool with his strength and his power, and by dedicating my homeschool to the Lord, that allows him to move in powerful ways through me as a teacher, through my children as the students, and through my husband as the principal. The second way to make Jesus the Lord of your homeschooling is to make it clear to everyone that Jesus is in charge of your home and your school everyone in your family should know that jesus is in charge so I was very free to tell my children when they were small, well, we don't do that because the Bible says, and we love Jesus and that's his word. And so we take it seriously. And if he says to do something, we do it. And if he says not to do something, we don't do it. And sometimes my kids would ask, why are we homeschooling? And I would say, your dad and I really felt like the Lord called us to homeschool and Jesus is in charge of your education. Of course, we want to be faithful and responsible, but we want to educate you the way that he wants you educated. Seek his will all the time in his plan. Don't just assume something, but say, you know, Lord, is it your will that we take this vacation to Italy? We would really, really like to go. Or is it your will that we go on this field trip? What's your plan for us? Are there hidden surprises we don't know about? And are there ways you want us to study history or science this year that we don't know? Would you please show us? You be the one to make the plans. You be the one in charge. Lord, are there people you want us to minister to, to encourage in the Lord or to share the gospel with? You bring those people in our path. Jesus loves people so much. That's the one thing about him is that Jesus is a real people person. Now, I don't know if people give him energy and that he's an extrovert, but I know that Jesus loves people. And I guarantee that if you let Jesus be in charge of your homeschool, you and your children and your husband will find yourselves ministering to people because that is what the Lord is all about. And remember, Jesus is with us and he loves us so much. You are the apple of his eye. You are the perfect person to teach your children. You have all that you need through his very great and precious promises. So if Jesus is in charge of your homeschool, if you're surrendered to him, I'm just so excited to see what God does in your homeschool because I know exciting things will happen. The third way to make Jesus the Lord of your homeschool is to let scripture fill your days and fill your teaching. And here's what I mean. You can start by reading the Bible each morning. Now, my daughter, Katie Beth, I love this. Her children are four and two and one, and they are the cutest things in the world. I just love them so much. And she starts by reading the scripture with them in the morning while they eat their breakfast. And then she has a voice of the martyrs calendar. So they pray together for different countries and different people, different Christians in different countries and that the gospel would go out. And I just love that so much because it's such a beautiful way to start the day. Scripture isn't just important to be there in the morning, but apply the word of God to situations and attitudes throughout the day. Let me explain what I mean. So you're talking about a history lesson and you're talking about a king and the king is very selfish and very greedy and you one of your children makes a comment like, why is he so Terrible. And you say, well, it is really sad because this is how God tells kings to behave. And you tell them some of the things that were shared when Moses got the law, some of the things that were spoken to, to David and to Solomon. And you say, this is how a king is supposed to behave. He's supposed to really care about his people and he's supposed to make decisions that bless them. And so you're applying scripture to what you're talking about, your Their questions in a biblical way. You're not just saying, oh, well, it's okay because he conquered all this land and he had a great kingdom. No, God was concerned about his character, So he may have had a huge kingdom on earth, but did he have a kingdom in heaven? Well, we don't know what happens if people surrender at the end of their lives. Also attitude. Sometimes my children can have a bad attitude and I'll just tell them, this is what the Bible says, that the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. And so if you're going to indulge in anger right now, then you're going to have a rough day because you're not going to be bringing about the peace of Christ. But The Bible says you can get rid of your anger. So why don't you spend some time with Jesus or I can pray with you. And let's ask God to help you get rid of that anger. Another thing that you can apply scripture to is when your children argue. So Matthew 18 says that if you have a problem with someone, you should try to work it out just between the two of you. And if not, you should bring someone else with you. And so how does that apply to children? Well, children should try to work things out on their own first. And sometimes they're just too little to do that or too angry. But you know, maybe they're fighting over what they should do when they're they're finished school, which is so funny because I've had my kids fight over that or what they're going to eat for lunch. So you say, okay, listen, you guys are arguing and Matthew 18 says that if there's a conflict, you should try to work it out between the two of you. I'm going to give you guys five minutes to work it out, and then I'm going to be that other person. (laughs) The Bible tells you to get another person involved, and I'm going to be that other person. And so you're teaching your children to apply the Word of God to all of their life and you're also teaching them when they need wisdom like mom what should I do well the Bible says if any of you lack wisdom you should ask God so there's just a constant opportunity to apply scripture to situations and attitudes now another thing is to memorize scripture I love when my grandsons they quote scripture to me and Rusty is memorizing Psalm 23 and I love love to hear it and that is one of my favorite psalms i haven't memorized in the king james so it's a little bit funny to hear him you know memorizing it in the esv or i don't i'm not sure exactly what version but thinking that i memorized it as a little girl in the king james but the scripture is so important the bible says that in psalm one that the man who meditates on the word day and night will be blessed in everything he does now it is impossible to meditate on the word day and night unless you have scripture memorized because you can't open your bible and read it while you're driving you can't open your bible and read it you know when you're swimming in a pool, but you can if the, if the scripture is in your mind, you can pull that scripture up and you can think about it and meditate on it. And that's why memorizing is such a beautiful, good thing. And the Bible also says in Psalm 119, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So memorizing scripture is a protection. Another thing is to talk about scripture passages and biblical principles. For example, when you talk about money you talk about different biblical principles related to money the tithe being generous giving to the poor being careful with your money and not being greedy, not being stingy. And so all of those things are biblical principles that you can talk about. You can talk about not going into debt. That's a biblical principle. And then another thing is fun, especially as kids get older, is to dig into scripture passages. You know, like I was reading in Ephesians 1 today, and it was so cool. The Lord showed me this and this, and you pull out Ephesians 1 and you just start talking about it. Like, it doesn't have to be a formal Bible study. It can just be casual conversation and there's nothing more fun to me than talking about the word with my kids. I love the word of God and I love that they love it. And finally in thinking about scripture, filling our days and teaching, think about apologetics and worldview training as your children get older. We live in a post-Christian culture. That means that the Christian worldview doesn't predominate. Even in the 1800s, there were a lot of non-Christians, but the Christian worldview dominated in America so that people believed that if you sinned, you should be punished that ultimately good would triumph over evil, that people should stay married. There, there were just a lot of things that people believed that were part of a Christian worldview. Who would have ever thought we would be defining the family in the 21st century? Like just things that we never thought we would even have to talk about that. Of course, no one would ever think this, but lo and behold, they do. So, Christian worldview is important for your kids to know that the scripture applies to all of life. It has something to say about psychology and sociology. It has something to say about engineering and mathematics and history and science. And there is just so much to learn and discover with the Bible, and it's important for kids to know what is a Christian worldview, what does the Bible say about all these different topics, and then also, what are the other worldviews in our culture, and how do they contradict with the Word of God? So the other worldviews would be things like humanism, postmodernism, New Age, Islam, So those are just a few, but it's important for kids to know what they are. They're definitely going to be exposed to a Marxist worldview. Oh, my goodness. We have Marxists running right now, socialists running for the presidency. That's amazing to me. And Marxism is an atheistic worldview. And so it's very scary to think that someone might be the president of the United States that has an atheistic Marxist worldview. That's pretty scary, but that is the kind of day that we live in. So... It's important to arm our children. Also, children have questions, natural questions, as they go into the preteen and high school years. And that's why I really think apologetics is a great course for kids to take or just to be exposed to, like in videos and documentaries and things like that. Apologetics doesn't mean apologizing. Apologetics means to defend the faith and to give a defense of the faith. And so there's a really neat book by Josh McDowell called More Than a Carpenter, and it goes into why the Bible is true, that Jesus really existed and then it talks about proof that the resurrection is true. So all of those things, those are kind of the basics of apologetics and it, it of course gets more in depth, but really good stuff because when your children come to you and they have questions, is the Bible true? How can I trust the Bible? Is Jesus real? Is God real? Those are good questions. Don't be afraid of those and they answers out there. If you don't know how to sit down and answer your children, there's so many resources out there that can help you. So Again, the third way to make Jesus the Lord of your homeschool is to let scripture fill your days and your teaching. And the fourth way is to start each day with prayer and to keep prayer going all day. So that's a no brainer. Just open the day with prayer. Come on, guys, we're going to pray. Lord, we just lift up our homeschool day. You know, anyone who's sick, you pray for healing, praying for dad as he's out at work and all these different things. But then what about praying throughout the day? Like what if a math problem is really hard. Well, let's just pray. Lord, please help Billy understand this math problem and to be able to complete it. And what if something gets lost? We're always (laughs) praying for lost things in our house. We just lose things a lot. Like I'm always losing my phone. You can ask all my friends. It's super hard to get a hold of me. What if someone's sad or what if the kids are arguing? Pray throughout the day. There is always something to pray about in a homeschool family because there's always things going on and then ask God for his plans what should I teach what do the kids want to learn what curriculum should you use all of those things are things that you can pray about and ask the Lord about another thing I think that's real important is to pray about the people in your life the bible says to pray for our leaders so pray for your pastor pray for the elders and deacons and trustees of your church pray for the grandparents pray for extended family pray for people who are sick pray for people who are on vacation just let the Lord expand your prayer life. I'm not kidding. There is nothing more exciting than when there's an answer to prayer and you and your kids are praying and then something happens and you're like, oh my goodness, we pray for that. And the Lord did it. When Katie Beth was little, Katie Beth and Juliana were little, we were down living with my parents and Mike would drive up to Orlando. Um, for three days every week he was trying to start a business and then we were going to move to Orlando and start a church. Well, one day it was supposed to rain and he really needed to get work done. So he called us and he said, can you pray that it won't rain? So I hung up the phone and I said, daddy wants prayer that it won't rain where he is. So Juliana took that quite literally and she prayed, "Father." I prayed that it would not rain anywhere where dad is, but above him, it would be completely dry. And so Mike called that night and he said, you would not believe this. It was raining everywhere. The skies were gray, but right above me stayed sunny the whole day. I just started crying. I was like, yes, the Lord hears prayers of our little ones. So keep praying together as a family. And remember, nothing is impossible with God. Well, we're going to have a word from our sponsor. And as soon as we get back, we're going to go over the last three ways to make Jesus the Lord of your homeschool. Powerline Productions wants to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Because of this, we offer a wide variety of books and eBooks about homeschooling, homeschool classes, and Bible study workbooks like Lovely to Behold, The Priceless Beauty of Godly Womanhood by Meredith Curtis. In this comprehensive Bible study, Meredith takes you through the Bible and looks at a multitude of scriptures which build up women and show them what God calls a righteous woman. Learn more at PowerlineProd.com. That's P-O-W-E-R-L-I-N-E-P-R-O-D dot com. Powerline Productions. Being world changers, raising world changers. Listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast on the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. Now back to your host, Meredith Curtis. Hey, welcome back. We've been talking about ways to make Jesus the Lord of your homeschool, and now we're on number five. Number five is teach from a Christian worldview. I mentioned worldview earlier when it's talking about scripture. A Christian worldview is simply applying the Bible to all of life. And I would encourage you to use books and textbooks that affirm the word of God, not contradict it, especially when children are little. There is so much good stuff out there. There is absolutely no reason that any Christian can't find what they need to teach from a Christian worldview. When something comes up. And something you read or watch on TV, or like if you go to Disney World and the, something is said and it contradicts the Word of God, or leave things out, talk about it. Don't let it go. When we've gone to Disney World, there's so much evolution they talk about. So we said to our kids, nope, evolution is not true. And Satan has deceived a lot of people into thinking it's true, but the Bible says that God created the world in six days and we, we actually do a lot of teaching with our kids on creation versus evolution because it's very hard to believe that you're created in the image of God and believe in evolution. And it stirs up a lot of doubts in people's minds. And also it's just not true. So we talk a lot about creation and evolution. We do classes on it. We watch videos on it. We include it in all of our science curriculum. And that's a really big way for us that we teach the Christian world view of biology. One thing that is left out in a lot of American history books. Even some Christian ones is that church was the center of life in colonial times, in early America, even up through the early 1900s. John Rockefeller, you know, the Rockefeller who started it all was the deacon in his church and he loved the Lord and his whole life centered around his family and his church. And that's never talked about when they talk about him. And so it's really important that you find those missing things because. Because people think, oh, wow, back in colonial times, it was just like today. No, it wasn't at all like today. When most people in your neighborhood stay home from church, back in those days, everyone was in church. In fact, in New England, if you weren't a member of a church, you couldn't vote. So it it was just a very different life. And it's important for our children to know that when you're reading literature, talk about the characters when they make poor choices or treat people badly, that that's not really okay. And one of the reasons I like older books, classic books, I don't like Antiheroes. heroes I don't like heroes that are bad. I don't like heroes that treat people bad or, you know, the guy who saves the day, but he's like sleeping with all these women. I mean, I don't want an anti-hero held up to my children as a hero. I want them to have heroes. Also, timelines. Again, we bring in the whole idea of evolution because a lot of timelines can be based on faulty information because they believe that evolution is true. So those are just a few things and there's so many more but teach from a Christian worldview because Jesus is the Lord of your homeschool and you want to teach what's accurate. Number 6, look for God's perspective on everything. Whether you're breaking up an argument or you're talking about ancient civilizations, wonder aloud how God sees things. What is his perspective? And we're not infinite. We're finite. You know, even though we have the Holy Spirit, we can quench the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. So I like to always say things like, I wonder what God thinks of that. I wonder what his perspective is. I wonder what Jesus would do if he was here in person. Not because we can finitely answer that. Sometimes we just don't know, you know, we try our best, but it helps to have that kind of mindset that we really want to know what does God think about this? We really want to know what is God's perspective. Number seven, enjoy God's love. Yes, The Christian life is fun because God has lavished us with love and has created all things for us to richly enjoy. We are so blessed. And the Christian life is the funnest life in the whole world because we have his love inside of us. He's wiped our sin away. We don't have any consequences for our sin in the life to come. And when we blow it as moms, when you sin, repent and receive his forgiveness. When your kids blow it, have them repent and receive his forgiveness. So often we just stay on the repent part. And repenting is very, very good and important. But God wants to lavish us with forgiveness. God forgives us. He wipes our sin away. And that is so wonderful and so joyful and imitate your father in heaven in loving your children. Be kind, forgiving, and tenderhearted. I always say, Jesus, I want to be like you. And sometimes I love to just read the gospels and watch Jesus with the disciples, because I think, oh my goodness, he's so much like a homeschool mom. He's got this group of 12. We have big families, right? Most of us. And everywhere he goes they're with him and he teaches them stuff and they don't get it and then he teaches them again and they don't get it and finally they get it but you know there's so many incidents. if you just look at it like once you look at the gospels that way of Jesus interacting with his disciples you will never feel like God doesn't understand you again because <laughs> he does understand you homeschooling moms god loves you he is with you and 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 he is so good at being in charge of your homeschool. So make him the Lord of your homeschool. And you please, please, please be blessed in every way. We'll see you again soon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.